Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, hey, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Members of the Miracle Morning community, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is uh, Hal. You're about to hear a pretty, pretty deep, yeah, I'd say that's a good word, deep conversation with Dr. Zach Bush or Zach Bush MD. Um, ZachBushMD.com is his website. So that's, we'll, we'll go with Zach Bush MD. But Zach, if you don't know who he is, um, he's a physician specializing in internal medicine, endocrinology, and hospice care. Uh, He's also an internationally recognized educator and thought leader on the microbiome as it relates to health, disease, and food systems. What's, to me, most important is the work Zach is doing is relevant to you, to me, to the future of humanity. I mean, he's literally on the front lines trying to save our planet because if we lose the planet, eh, we we don't survive ourselves. In fact, one of his first answers to one of my first questions that you're about to hear was about how we are headed towards extinction, that we've got 70 to 120 years before we are extinct, unless we make some major changes, which, and, and, and you will hear him talk about those changes and that why he is more optimistic than he is pessimistic, oh, which is good because, you know, it's a pretty heavy start to the podcast, but ultimately, they're, they're, you're going to learn a ton today. He shifted my mindset around uh, the definition of consciousness, first of all, which is something that I'm, you know, elevating consciousness and what that means and what that looks like and why we technically don't elevate consciousness. We really kind of more tap into it or align with it. He talks about the microbiome, uh, how it is foundational for our health and health on the planet and why probiotics, which I don't know about you, but I've been marketed to that probiotics are what we need to optimize our gut health. Uh, why He'll tell you why that's not true. That's not accurate. And probiotics are not doing uh, for you quite what you think they are doing. You're going to hear about coronavirus and the pandemic that, that's going on and why that's a wake-up call for all of us and, and what that wake-up call is. I asked him you know, how he deals with knowing that there are so many problems, so many challenges that we are facing as a species uh, you know, that our, that our planet is facing and, and how, what do we do? How do we deal with that, right? What do we do as individuals? What do we do as a society? So there's just, Zach is a wealth of information. In fact, I would say this is, this is not a podcast to be listened to haphazardly. This is one where you want to actually be like focused with a notepad. Yeah. You know, Zach, uh, Zach goes really deep. He goes really, really deep. And um, anyway, so I, I feel a debt of gratitude to this man. Now knowing the work that he's doing the where he's coming from. Again, it's relevant to you, to me, to our planet, to our species. Zach Bush, MD, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I hope you do. All right, Zach Bush, we're ready to roll. How you doing, buddy? Really glad to be on your show. Thanks for having me, Hal. No, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. In fact, I just, I want to start with this. Where are you right now? Where are you? How are you? And, and what is your primary focus right now? Awesome. I am based in uh, Virginia with my clinic and uh, my for-profit operations and then live in Oahu part-time. And my nonprofit is based in 
Southern California with our, our leadership there. And we have projects going all over the, the world with that uh, nonprofit working on the intersection between human health and soil health. And in some ways, uh, none of our, our message has ever been more relevant to the world than it is right now in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't think I've ever done as much preparation for a guest on the show. Um, you know, you and I are just meeting today for the first time. And as I started to dive into your stuff last week, uh, I went, you're, you're so deep in so many topics, in so many relevant, really important topics that are crucial for, you know, humanity, if you will. And so because you speak on so many topics, you know, from pesticides and, and the use, how it's over the past few decades damaged our soil, which has coincided with the explosion of chronic diseases we're facing. You're an expert on the microbiome, which I definitely want to dive into today. And I think the bigger one is, you know, just how our current way of life and the systems that we rely on are not sustainable. And if we don't change, we're facing, you know, really grave consequences. So what are the topics that you feel strongly that Everybody listening right now, if you're a human being living on planet Earth, what do, what do people need to hear about right now? Yeah, I think that you know, everybody on the planet at this moment showed up on purpose. And you had to because you picked a tipping point of human history. And, you know, We've been here for a brief 200,000 years in a geologic record of the planet that dates back four and a half billion years. Mm. And so we're just a scratch on the surface of planetary activity. And we've seen in that fossil record five great extinction events. So we've uh, seen anywhere from 87 to 97% of life wiped out uh, with those extinction events. And they've always been cataclysmic geologic events like massive volcanic eruptions and disruptions of tectonic plates to asteroids that have struck the surface of the earth. You know, we've inspired ice ages and the ending of ice ages through through those sorts of cataclysmic events. And now we're halfway through the sixth great extinction. And this time the cataclysmic event is humans. Mm. Uh, we have, uh, you know, decimated uh, the biology of the planet through our consumptive and destructive relationship to Mother Nature herself. And we've done this perhaps most profoundly in our food systems, but certainly our medical system. We always see ourselves in opposition to Mother Nature. And uh, we've built our technologies against her. We build houses against her. We build artificial environments in hospitals against her. Right? We're always trying to create these comfortable niches that, that block nature out. And in that isolation of our species, both at the molecular microbiome level, as well as, as at the larger levels of the air we breathe and everything else, we have really you know, deciphered the perfect extinction event for ourselves and the planet. And so if you showed up right now, you showed up at a moment at which we will in our lifetimes see the collapse of human civilization. We are 70 years away from uh, an extinction uh, event where uh, human life could end as soon as 70 years out. It could be as far as 120 years out, but nonetheless, we're, we're you know, one generation away from you know, a lifespan uh, of experience to see the end of our species. And with it, we would see the collapse of tens of thousands, if not you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of species going with us. And so, um, it's going to be a fascinating next century, even if we, we do continue to do the wrong things. If we do the right thing right now, we could completely reverse that story. And we could actually, over the next 100, 200 years, create the most verdant and biodiverse planet that has ever existed here. 
we could literally participate in an explosion of life. And we know this based again on the fossil record. Every time we've seen a big extinction event, it is immediately followed by you know, millions of years of explosive biodiversification and increase of intelligence of life on Earth. If we are able to interrupt our current extinction, which we've wiped out about 50% of life on Earth over the last 40, 50 years, and so we're halfway done, but if we were to, in the next 10 years, say, throw the brakes on that and manage to only lose 60, 65% of life on Earth, we could then see an explosion of you know, biodiversity and it will accelerate for our own participation, which I think is fascinating. While it took millions of years for the, the Earth to recover from the last big extinction event with the dinosaurs, that asteroid you know, devastated topsoil levels, which then screwed up our ocean systems and we lost life. And it took you know, many, many millions of years to recover that ecosystem. With the damage that we've done, we've set up the world that even in the next eight years, the scientists out of Davos are telling us we've got eight years left to save the species because at eight years, the oceans reach a point of acidification, which is a tipping off point for biology on the planet. And we could, um, you know, those, those scientists at Davos this past year were really saying that we, we could see extinction events, you know, start again going into logarithmic growth. We've already seen a 10,000 fold increase in extinction baseline over the last 30 years. They think it could make another leap to 100,000 to a million times faster than, than the previous baseline. And so we could see, you know, even in the next two decades, something catastrophic, you know, happen to the planet. And so we need to avert that. We need to be a part of the solution instead of the problem that's driving this, this collapse. And, you know, believe it or not, I wake up most mornings really hopeful that that's going to happen. And I usually go through a few crises during the day of hopelessness of like, how can we possibly make this kind of change this fast? And how can we change, you know, a $17 trillion American consumer mindset? How can we change, you know, a $35 trillion global consumer mindset and behavior? And the answers keep coming back that Mother Nature's got the answer in consciousness. We could make a leap in our, in our philosophy on life itself. Why are we here? What are we here to do? And where are we going? Those three questions could start to be answered for the first time in the context of a non-human experience. And we could start to see ourselves as a small participant within a biology that's capable of not only recovery, but regenerative you know, genius and, and biodiversification. And so this is the playing field. This is the chessboard that you showed up on when you decided to be a human right now. And I believe you are part of the solution. That's heavy, first of all. It's also very insightful. I, I, I want to ask you, it brings up something for me uh, and I, I really that I've struggled with. I'd love your thoughts on this because you said a few things in there. Number one, that you wake up hopeful. So what you shared initially is like, oh my gosh, this is you know catastrophic and the end of the world is coming. Um, and then you said you wake up hopeful most days. So here's what I want to ask you. And, and uh, probably about a year ago, I started really going down the rabbit hole of what are all of the problems that humanity is facing? And I started watching documentary, you know, the garbage of the world on plastic in the ocean and started, you know, looking into documentaries on child trafficking and poverty and, you know, global warming, all of these issues. And I decided, I go, look, as a human being, it is my responsibility to solve every problem that humanity is facing. 
And I thought as a leader, I, I need to help lead that charge and get everybody on the planet to take on that level of responsibility. That led to what I might call a nervous breakdown. I, like I, I, I came to my next team meeting, our team call, you know, we're used to, we're spreading this miracle morning, you know, uh, around the world. And I thought, all right, you guys, hey, our mission just got way bigger. We have to solve every problem that humanity is facing. And so what I want to ask you, um, there's a few questions in here. One is with you, you know, I can tell you feel this, it feels to me that you feel this strong sense of responsibility to do everything in your power and you're doing it through your nonprofit and through, you know, through Farmer's Footprint, through non-toxic neighborhoods, through your product, Ion Health, all of the things that you're doing are, are really uh, to alleviate and to solve what you just talked about, the potential downfall, if you will. So what I've struggled with, and I think I'm representative of probably a lot of people listening to this right now, is what do I do about it? So that's the first question I have is, what do we do about it as individuals? Yeah, the answer is kind of, is really simple in the end. The, the what you do about it is create new relationship. And for the first time, you know, perhaps in our experience, I mean that on a much bigger level than, than human relationship, but we can begin at human relationship. When you look at, you know, the, the current response to the pandemic, we exemplified everything that we're doing wrong as a species in our response to this pandemic. Hmm. Instead of saying we need to reconnect to nature, we need to get out and start to commune around the, the real problems at hand, which are climate change, you know, collapse of our agricultural systems, collapse of our healthcare systems. Instead of, you know, having town hall meetings, instead everybody needs to hide away in their house. And if they're going to go outside, they need to stay away from each other Nobody can gather in groups and talk and think together. Nobody uh, can can speak with their neighbor without wearing something to cover their their face and their purpose. Uh, you know, we've got this. Everything that we did was you know contrary to what is really needed right now. So, in answer to your question, we need to do the exact opposite of what we just did for three months. Hmm. But at the same time, we need to do the same thing of what we did in the last three months, which is for the first time, planet Earth as a whole, the entire humanity paused. Uh, we shifted, you know, multi-trillion dollar transportation industries, energy industries. Overnight, we cleaned up air quality. We cleaned up, you know, soil quality. We cleaned up ocean waters and river systems. And like the speed at which Mother Nature responded in recovery is indicative of, you know, just how BS the whole story of, well, we can't change and it's too hard and we can't, you know, you can't, we literally changed overnight. And so the silver lining on, on our missteps and misperceptions around this pandemic, I think are really elucidating the reality that we, we can change everything tomorrow with today's media and our connectedness through cell phones to sub-Saharan Africa all the way to Europe to South Asia and into the U.S., it's, it's the same cell phone that can get you uh, connected to all of that. And so we are at a unique moment where we can coordinate human behavior on a level uh, never done before. That can be used for very malicious and you know, civil liberty eroding practices, as we've perhaps seen in recent months. Or it could be used to coordinate an extraordinary explosive new relationship to one another and to the planet itself. And so what we need to do next is build relationship, community, you know, connection with the goal of finding a new level of consciousness. And we see this taught to us by, again, the microbiome. 
bacteria and fungi when they grow in colonies, when they get to a certain level of biodiversity and population, they suddenly take on a super intelligence. They start to act as a coordinated you know, ecosystem rather than a single species of bacteria. Uh, they start to coordinate complex genomic you know, swapping through things that we call viruses and through you know, electrical signaling and the rest the whole system can communicate. Viruses are nothing more than a communication network at the genetic level. Uh, we also talk through microRNA, which are tiny little strands of nucleotides that don't make proteins like the, the viral RNA or DNA does, but these act as signaling molecules to tell the genes of the viruses or the genes of the, the multicellular organism on the other side how to behave to, for adaptation and survival. And so here we've demonized the very communication network of biology that's allowed us to be created. Our, our genome as a, a mammal is 50% uh, derived from insertions of viral information over time. 10% of our genome is actually inserted by retroviruses like HIV. And so we, over the last 30 years, believed we are at war with the very things that built us. And those are the relationships we need to start to fundamentally change. We need to find out that we are here as an immune system to battle against and isolate away from nature as an immune system, both at the biological level as well as the psychological and philosophical levels. We shouldn't be building immunity against nature. We should be building our understanding of the immune system as a relationship. It's a balancing act. It's a symphony of micro ecosystems communicating with one another, not a war like mentality that the, the human mindset has brought to this you know scientific belief system and so there's a real opportunity for relationship and you know our response you know coming out of this pandemic to to rephrase the goal our goal is now human connection at a level where quorum sensing or hyperintelligence could start to be manifested and we could start to at the genetic level as well as at the energetic level start to manifest a human species that has never thrived before in longevity or in conscious impact because we were acting as isolated factions within the human experience. We have taken every opportunity to fight against our neighbors across the fence. We've taken every opportunity to fight against our community leaders. We've taken every opportunity to fight against, you know, nation to nation, creed against creed, religion to religion. Uh, if we can find a div divisive aspect, we'll exploit that for a warlike mentality on one another. That's the human experience that we need to dissolve. And if we can dissolve that warlike mentality, we are going to see the opportunity for a completely new civilization. And I want to be part of that. Beautiful. You know, I relate what you're talking about on a very, on a, on a personal level, when I had cancer, it's always fight cancer, right? That was always the, the rhetoric was, you know, you've got to, you've got to fight cancer. You're battling cancer. And I thought I'm healing cancer. I'm healing my body. And that was always my language and my affirmations. And, you know, and even in prayer, it was always thank you for this cancer and for the lessons that I'm inevitably going to learn from it and any other benefits that I might not be aware of. But yeah, to what you're talking about, changing that paradigm of that we've got to kill this and, and fight that and defeat this and, you know what I mean, battle against that. You're spot on. And, and you know, my, my research was in chemotherapy development. And so I can tell you yeah. the rhetoric was the same on my side. So 2005, 2010, I was doing research and development of chemotherapeutic agents at the University of Virginia. 
working on vitamin A compounds. And it was exactly that mentality that I was going down of like, I need to figure out how to kill more cancer cells. And every morning I you know, woke up with this sense of like, you know, what can, how can I kill it better? How can I, you know, attack it better? How can I do a sneak attack on the cancer? You know, thinking so strategically as if I was some sort of military, you know, strategist yeah. going yeah. after this thing. And then a couple of years into that process, um, you know, had an, a pretty extraordinary moment where I was, you know, looking under a microscope at a tumor encroaching on healthy tissue and, and kind of being in amazement of how much it looked like uh, Los Angeles from from 20,000 feet when you're flying over it. It, it looks like a, a municipality with its, you know, highway systems, you know, and supply systems, bringing it back, all the nutrients back into the core of this tumor and the way it invades the countryside through suburban sprawl and everything else. It, it's identical to the way in which our, our, you know, human behavior looks on the planet is a tumor growing into healthy tissues and invading that and extracting, you know, resources from that healthy tissue uh, to the demise of the healthy tissue. And uh, I suddenly realized I was running late for clinic, jumped up, ran over to clinic, sat down in my endocrinology clinic, and you know, there's a new patient there that I hadn't met before. He had an urgent, urgent visit on my schedule. He was coming in for a diabetic ulcer on his ankle. So, you know, within a few minutes, I've got this, you know, big ankle ulcer exposed, and I'm debriding the, the dead tissue and, you know, cleaning this thing up. And suddenly there was this moment where I'm looking down into this ulcer and see almost, you know, what felt like the same image that I just saw, saw in the microscope hmm. uh, of cancer. And I suddenly realized, oh my God, it's all the same thing. It's all, you know, a disruption of, of healthy, you know, nutrient distribution, healthy resource management, healthy relationship to one another. It doesn't matter if we call it a diabetic ulcer or cancer or heart disease or diabetes, it's actually all a lack of communication, and it's this breakdown of of mechanism of of cooperative and you know life bringing cooperation at the tissue level that breeds cancer. So then, so then you suddenly have to flip your thing. It's like nobody's at war. There, there is no war. There's just confusion and isolation. And so your approach was precisely what we train every patient into in my clinic now, which is step one is lose fear. You're mm-hmm. on a journey. You're in process. This is part of your body. This is the journey that you chose as a soul when you leapt into this body was to have this cancer part of your journey. It didn't show up in it to attack you. It is actually your own body becoming isolated as a human cell uh, becomes disconnected from its you know organized organ system or whatnot, then it becomes a cancer cell. So this is the loneliest and most damaged cell system in your whole body. And it needs to be reconnected. And as soon as it reconnects, it kills itself. There's an, that was my ex- area of ex- expertise in chemotherapy was something called apoptosis or programmed cell suicide. You don't even need an immune system to, to find the tumor because the tumor simply kills itself as soon as it reconnects to the larger organism to find out that it's, it's, part of, it's an unhealthy part of a healthy organism. It, it will replace itself with healthy tissue. And so your approach of I am healing cancer is, is a very beautiful statement there. Um, what we train our patients into really is, you know, they come in terrified because they have failed chemo, they've failed this or that, and they've been given a death sentence now and they come in and they're like, is there anything else we can do? And you say, well, first of all, let's lose fear because are you actually afraid of dying? And as soon as you actually really go into detail about that, most people actually aren't afraid of dying. They, they're afraid that they're of losing their loved ones. They, yeah. they, afraid what will happen to their loved ones if they go, but it's not actually the fear of death that they're fearing. So you help them 
get down below that. And once they realize they're not afraid of death and they recognize death as maybe some sort of rebirth and, you know, there's a continuation of energy on the other side. And this isn't a hundred percent of individuals, but I would say it's in the 95% range of people that have some sort of, you know, ethos belief system that supports the realization that we're not biologic beings, we're energetic spiritual beings Mm -hmm. and having a, a human moment here. And so once you get past all that, you know, you go and realize I need to love this tissue back into my body. This is literally my most lonely and damaged cell system in the body. If I love that back in, it will eliminate the problem. It, it will become part of the ecosystem again and in a cooperative fashion, either repair itself or eliminate itself. And that's a beautiful journey. And, and when you watch people coming in for their first visit and they're exhausted and they're toting a whole suitcase of medications and medical records and imaging and it's just like this burden of you know proof of their you know demise that they're carrying and they walk out an hour and a half later like skipping often forgetting on their suitcase you know in the lobby because they they feel free of this thing now and it's just that that's where the healing begins is changing that mindset and we need to do that same thing for ourselves because we are the cancer on the planet we have become uh, the, the malignant process on the surface of the planet. And we need to love ourselves back into the larger organism, which is the planet itself. We need to love ourselves back into the biology of planet Earth and find deep healing for us. You know, more guilt about what we've, the havoc we've reaped is, is not going to help us. Uh, more fear of the, the pending crisis for humans and our demise is not going to help us. And so you have to lose the fear and guilt, realize we have to love ourselves back into a larger organism, and then nature will take over in an extraordinary healing event. Yeah, loving, you know, lo- loving my cancer personally, that, that was, you know, I think that was a big part. I, I want to ask you, because for me, I am no scientist, I am no doctor. And for me, the way that I understand things is in layman's terms, if you will. And so what I want to ask you about is the mind-body connection. And, you know, we, we, I think we both just kind of touched on it through that interaction. But so the way that I, the, the layman's term that I describe it to folks is I'll say, you know, our body has trillions of cells and whatever we tell them, whatever, through our thinking, through our emotion, they just, they're kind of impartial and they do whatever we say. And if you're, if you're living in fear that you're going to die, then you're telling them, Hey, we're going to die. And they go, okay, I guess we'll do that. If you say, Hey, there's no, you know, we're going to live, we're going to heal, we're going to love. Then they're like, Oh, okay. I guess that's what we're doing. So that's my really simplistic explanation of the mind body connection. I would love for you to speak on that because you know, what you're talking about that you do in your clinic with people uh, where the first thing you do is remove fear. And I think for me, that was my, that was my superpower is that I, I wasn't living in fear throughout that cancer journey. So I'd love to hear more about that, just more about the, how the mind-body connection works. And uh, for anybody watching this right now that's in fear over coronavirus or cancer or just life, right? How do they deal with that? How do they overcome that? Yeah, I think, you know, losing the sense of, you know, responsibility for the healing process is, is an interesting part of losing the fear. Because we, we feel like whether it be a pandemic or cancer, like you say, or even more insidious and difficult is something like major depression. Yeah. Uh, major depression can take over your whole identity. It's not, you know, in such an insidious and damaging way. 
and so can anxiety disorders and the like. And you suddenly think you're an anxious person when in fact, that's just a, a momentary experience that a very healthy person is having. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with major depression. You're, you're not a depressed person. You actually, you know, experience a lack of, you know, energetic input and communication at the neurologic level, which giving you the experience of a dulled and you know, lifeless you know, perception of what's going on in your life around you. And so in all of these things, you know, it's just feels insurmountable because you don't know why these things happen to you. You, you, you don't know how they happened, what factors were there. So there's no way, you know, how to reverse the process because it happened to you. It's not something that you, you can figure out how you created it. And so it gives this rapid set, you know, vicious cycle of hopelessness. Like, how can I possibly fix this and all that? And I can do this. Like, you know, while I feel very competent in areas of science and, you know, communication and all of this around science, I feel very incompetent in social interactions, whether it be with my spouse or with my kids or with the public. I can find myself very confused over social processing. Like, I have a hard time teasing out what emotions people are having and why they're having that and what my relationship is to that emotion and what my reaction should be. And so I can develop a sense of hopelessness over that kind of experience. And I, I know that that's similar to what my patients feel when they start delving into something that feels like a science, like complicated biology problem that's happening in their lives. And it just feels like this foreign black box of confusion. And I think that, you know, when we feel like when we're told we have to fight against cancer or we have to overcome depression, it's like, well, okay, I'll I'll put on the armor, but I don't have the first idea of how to swing a sword at this one because I don't even know what it is. I don't know what the problem is. It's just like this ethereal, you know, crisis that you can't wrap your hands around. And so I think the first step for my patients is to tell them there's nothing you're going to do that's going to heal this thing. Nature heals itself. All you have to do is align yourself with something much larger than yourself. And the problem will go away for that. Not because you somehow became the best juicer in the world or you drank more kale smoothies than anybody else on the planet. And therefore your cancer went away. It doesn't work that way. In my experience, often the patients that feel like they're most in control of their recovery and are doing more than anybody else are the ones that actually do the worst because they've missed the larger point. They they see this as a personal victory when, in fact, the victory has nothing about to do with your personal experience. The victory is one of a biologic planet doing its regenerative work, and you happen to align yourself with that. And it's Mother Earth that's going to heal herself and her children if you know given the opportunity and so that just changes the equation all of a sudden drastically where you no longer have to beat yourself up over the fact that oh i didn't do my enemas or my smoothies or whatever intensive cancer program you might be on instead it's like oh i'm doing that to bring myself into alignment with nature so that i can be healed and it makes it much easier to do the thing as well because ultimately at the conscious subconscious level you know damn well that that smoothie is not going to heal you today and so then it's hard to do it. But when you realize the smoothie is not to heal you today, but instead to bring yourself yet once again into alignment with a nature that is capable of healing you today you know, through mechanisms much bigger than that smoothie, that just changes the whole equation. Suddenly it's a lever you're pushing on to leverage something much larger than yourself, much larger than your human biology to become a healing part of nature is a very exciting you know, shift of perspective there. So it sounds like if I'm trying to echo back what I heard, the it's a letting go of control 
where you're trying to force things to happen and more of an allowing things to happen. Is that right? Allowing the healing to happen, whether it's nature, higher consciousness, God, right? Is that, am I, am I on to kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think surrender is a huge piece of it. I I think that's often, you know, when anybody says, well, how do you do consciousness or how do you do self-development or it's always surrender. Surrender is always the, the right answer. Uh, because you know what we're surrendering is a very frail and you know very surface oriented human perspective human philosophy uh, when we're when we're turning our attention to something or you know creating a solution for something whereas if we surrender you know the the matrix if we surrender our sense of the problem our sense of the solution of the problem and we instead see every action that we take aligning ourselves with something much larger than ourselves, much more profound in capacity than ourselves, then it gives you a, a real sense of relief. It, it's a lot like, you know, going from having to do a thesis paper and you slave away for years trying to write this damn paper and you come to your own conclusions, all that. And you finally get done with your thesis or your dissertation and you graduate. And then suddenly you get hired by a company and they're suddenly a team of experts that are all are bringing their their own unique experiences and same thing with an entrepreneur you know where you you bang away for 5 years trying to raise capital and get your idea off the ground and you know you're bootstrapping it and wearing five different hats for which you're not even good at doing and you're just in this exhaustive you know self-perpetuating machine of energy to get your company off the ground and then suddenly you have funding and you can hire the right consultants and they reorient the ship. And suddenly what felt like, you know, pushing a, you know, a massive ball up the hill with a toothpick, suddenly it's like rolling downhill and, and everything suddenly got much easier and, and your whole, you know, viewpoint changes because you have the right people involved on this journey towards healing. You're not getting people involved. You're getting billions and trillions of microorganisms involved that are the, the actual healing machinery of nature. And so you're re-engaging the microbiome of the gut and the tissue. And we now know that the, the breast has its own microbiome and the microbiome in the breast helps breast cancer recover. Uh, methylobacterium radiotolerans is the bacteria in and around breast cancers that are trying to you know, stabilize a damaged ecosystem and fuel management and acidic environment and everything else. Methylobacterium, if killed by chemotherapeutic or antibiotic regimens in the midst of it, once you sterilize that tumor, your chance of dying from the cancer goes way up. And so, you know, in in our isolation, we will die. That is for sure. We've proven that out. And so it's really with reconnection to nature that we re-engage experts in the fields of healing and, and tissue repair and energy manufacturing. That's all done by the microbiome, bacteria and fungi, yeast, all of that that are in our gut, in our skin, in every single organ system. We now know that there's microbiome within the human brain. You know, so all of this, you know, system that we used to think was this sterile environment that was kept sterile by this immune system that was fighting against every last bug in the universe. We now realize that was wrong. Our immune system is welcoming organisms into every organ system to help nursemaid, you know, the health of the body into a cooperative ecosystem. What, What an extraordinary shift for for medicine to take. And obviously the, our response to, to the pandemic right now has shown that we haven't learned that lesson very well yet. We still have, you know, 150 year old belief system about germs. We have 150 year old belief system about the immune system. So we, we've forgotten to update 
you know, our behaviors with the science that's really developed over the last 30 years to retrain uh, our philosophy, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but an opportunity is there to employ this massive workforce of the microecosystem. And interestingly, it doesn't stop at tissue repair and cancer management. We now know that the microbiome of the gut, for example, is responsible for producing 90% of the serotonin, 50% of the dopamine for the human neurologic system. And interestingly, that microbiome doesn't do that single-handedly. It does it through a cooperative relationship with enteric endocrine cells lining your gut. And so there's a, a co-creative cooperative relationship between microbes in your gut and the lining of your intestines that then produces the neurotransmitters for your brain. It's this trippy re reality that we're starting to realize is we can't even have human thought or mood stability or consciousness experiences as an isolated human. We have to have the relationship of diverse ecosystems within us to even achieve what we would call mood stabilization or thought or consciousness. Uh, it's a really beautiful thing unfolding now. I want to hear more about that. And, and I think for, well, let's start with simply, I'd love for you to define what is the microbiome? And, you know, I have a general understanding. And uh, so asking for a friend here. Um, <laughs> but what is the microbiome? I mean, that is your, you know, you're a thought leader and an educator in the microbiome as it relates to health, disease, food, even food systems. So what is the microbiome? And then something that you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, and, and you also touched on this before we started recording today, which is how it relates to elevating consciousness. So you, if you could talk about in as simple terms as possible, what is the microbiome? Why should we care? And how does it relate to elevating our consciousness? One nuance there is, you know, I'd, I'm and, and it's something that I do all the time. I talk about, you know, the rise of human consciousness and all this. And I, I'm trying to retrain myself because I'm starting to really embrace the realization that consciousness is not human and mm -hmm. it's not something to, to elevate. It already exists at its highest form. So consciousness, I'm really coming to believe, is a flow of information that moves in the atomic field of the fabric of the universe, which is, of course, atomic structure and most of that being the vacuum space. So vacuum space defines 99.99% of the entire universe, including the computer in front of you or, you know, the carpet you're standing on. It's all vacuum space. And so the tiny amount, the 0 0.00079% you know, that is actually solid, the, uh, namely the particle state of the electron or the proton, neutron in, in their ethereal quantum states, that tiny bit of physical structure within the vast volume of an atom is very much in response to it. it the, the, the solid part being the minority is answering the call and the structure of the vacuum. And the vacuum is full of light energy. Uh, and so light energy uh, has the highest density of everything else in the universe. It has the capacity to change and shape matter and the relationship of matter, whether that be a biochemical reaction between sodium and chloride to make salt or the reaction of, you know, hydrogen and oxygen pumping through the wall of a mitochondria to make ATP fuel for the human system. You know, all of these things are light energy events that are moving electrical energy through vacuum space to change relationship. So that's kind of the fabric of the universe. So what is consciousness? I think consciousness is a vibration within that electromagnetic field in a vacuum that carries all of the information stream of, you know, what we would call the universe or nature or perhaps God or whatever it is 
that, that we've got this reality that everything is vibrational energy. Within that energy, we know there is structured information. Uh, we've seen that in black holes. Uh, it's called Hawkins particles, discovered by Stephen Hawkins, was the first to define the, this particle information flowing out of black holes in the center of galaxies. And so black holes then are connected by, through uh, wormhole-type physics uh, to one another. And so all of the, the billions of galaxies that are in the universe at that you know, astrological level are then mimicked in, in their structure and mathematical behavior at the proton level inside the atom of a human atomic structure of our cellular you know, makeup are tiny little black holes. And so all these black holes communicate with one another. They flow you know, information in and out of them. Stephen Hawkins held that it was just chaotic information for, for most of his life, but other scientists and then finally Stephen himself agreed at the end that this was structured information. And so when we say what is consciousness, I believe that we're approaching understanding it at the atomic level, at least from you know, a me- mechanistic standpoint, even if we don't understand its, its real content yet, I would say that consciousness is a flow state of the universal and information coming in out of our experience at the atomic level, at the level of our atoms. And so there is no rising consciousness and there's no you know, consciousness to try to like, create together. We're not going to get together and create consciousness. Consciousness exists at its highest form in its highest state of energy we just are disconnected from it just as a cancer cell is disconnected from its larger organism. We have disconnected ourselves from consciousness as much as we've disconnected us ourselves from other nature. And so I think that the exciting thing is consciousness is already there and we simply need to reach our hand out. And you've experienced this. If you've done meditation, breath work, prayer, spiritual song, chant, uh, all of these are mechanisms, you know, plant medicines, ayahuasca and the like, all of these bring people uh, to that experience of dipping your toe into the river of consciousness and suddenly you can see the entire universe and you see your, your role in that universe. You realize you're connected to everything. You know, all of these experiences that, you know, I see in the ICU with patients, you know, nearly dying or dying and then being resuscitated back into their bodies, they all report the same things. You know, we are, you know, stepping out of these bodies right back into the flow of consciousness and, and a, a collective experience of acceptance and, and real purpose within the universe. And, you know, it's, it's instantaneous on the other side of, of the limitations of human philosophy and mindset. And so consciousness is not something to be achieved. It's something to be tapped into. And so that's exciting because that could be done in a split instant. And so if I thought humans had to go and create some new consciousness to guide a new civilization, I'd give up. There's no way we're going to be able to do that. We're, we can't even agree on, you know, a political decision around, you know, anything, let, let alone tackle something like consciousness together. So I'm excited by the possibility that all we have to do is start to recognize nature, beauty within that nature, and the experience of love that we get from seeing that beauty. And if we start to do that, we will fundamentally change our relationship to our nature. We will make different decisions in our day-to-day, minute-to-minute, and we will start to really uh, reshape you know, the future of mankind and the planet in our simple reconnect, reconnect to nature, reconnect to consciousness, and the rest. So I want to ask you, I, wanted, I want to go into the microbiome, but something that just came up for me is, um, and it really circles back to one of the first or the second question I asked about the idea that there's so many issues going on in the world. How do we, what do we do? How do we not get overwhelmed? So on and so forth. 
with regards to a lot of what you just talked about and you know as people wake up as individuals wake up i guess here's my question and i and i think that i speak for a lot of people um i don't want to be arrogant and think that i do that but i think that i do just from what i've seen posted around you know whether it's social media conversations by the water cooler if you will uh, the idea at do we as individuals have the power Meaning, I know we have the power in our own lives, of course, but I guess the, the you know, I, I saw even India Ari, the, uh, the, you know, the famous uh, singer, India Ari, posted an Instagram video probably a month or so ago, and she was crying, and she was just like, for, for decades, I've been putting music out there to elevate consciousness, to inspire people. And I've been preaching from stages around the world that if we all change, we can change the world. We can change the course of this planet of humanity, so on and so forth. And she was in, and maybe she was just having a bad day, but she was in tears just going, and now I'm not so sure. I don't know if the people in power, if they have too much power and there's nothing we can do about it. And she said, I just don't know anymore. And, you know, it was kind of a, it was a reality check and, and kind of like a little bit of a heartbreaking moment. But that's my question for you is, I guess there's, there's two questions in there, which is number one, what are your thoughts on, can we make a difference if those in power, political power, corporate power, if they're, you know, making the, if they're swinging the bigger levers, right, that are making the impact on the planet versus, you know, I can go garden, right? But if somebody, you know, uh, signs a bill that allows for whether whatever industry, 5G, the oil industry, whatever, to do something that has a radical impact across all of humanity, you know, whereas the thousand people listen to this podcast or 10,000 people, if they go start a garden, that's great. And everything's helping in the right direction. I just hope I'm not convoluting the question too much. But the point is, what are your thoughts on the powers that be that are swinging the big levers and how we can make an impact? And what, you know, if, if the gap is too big and, and or what, what we need to do? You know, the answer, I think, is, is multifaceted there. Yeah. Uh, number one, we cannot discount at all the power of starting a garden. Food systems is ultimately the ultimate wealth. That's why, give you a sense of this scale, the entire military budget in the United States is around $700 billion. And so that's all of our military, homeland security, you know, all of our defense budget basically in that $700 billion range. That's a more than any other country in history. And not annually? That's annually. Okay. But in perspective, our food system in the United States is $1.5 trillion. And so we are twice as big as a food system as we are as a military system. And so hmm. food is massive. It, it is a huge piece of the puzzle. The only thing that really blows away f food is our current cost of our healthcare system, which is $3.5 trillion a year. And so we are spending twice as much on medicine and medical care of chronic disease than we are on food. We're spending twice as much on food than we are on military. So really what we have to do is change the food system so that we make obsolete a three and a half trillion dollar healthcare industry. If we succeed in those two steps, secure food, therefore solve the healthcare crisis, which is, you know, a lifestyle mediated crisis. Yeah. Um, we will fundamentally change the largest economic drivers in our country. And things like 5G, it's a simple reality that the consumer is going to control that decision. 
Yeah. If you don't like 5G, then don't buy the Internet of Things. You know, don't buy a toaster that can, you know, report back to the Internet. You know, <laughs> maybe you can just make a piece of toast still. You know, be aware of your social media consumption. Be aware of what platform is your email on. Who are you supporting in these small decisions in your day? If you're supporting, you know, the, the Googles and the Amazons of the world, you're putting your dollar vote into, yeah, I want convenience over planet. I want convenience over ethical behavior. I want convenience over civil liberties. You're making a huge decision in every single one of those things. Every time you go to Amazon and order something, you're supporting a destructive, consumptive mechanism of human behavior driven on artificial intelligence advertising and your data is being sold for the enrichment of Jeff Bezos to drive you know your money towards consumer products that you don't even need and so you you're a voluntary participant in these largest of sectors i would say you know amazon is our largest you know mechanism now he's richer than any man in history now and so you've got this juggernaut that's been created. If you aren't keeping track of recent news, the U.S. Postal Service with this recent pandemic is going out of business. Not the first really? time we've seen the U.S. Postal Service do this. They, they went into bankruptcy a number of years ago and had to have major reorganization, big capital infusions to save the post office. This time, the U.S. government has made it clear they're not going to bail out the U.S. postal system. And so Jeff Bezos has stepped up to, to offer to buy the U.S. postal system. And so that's what's happening at the, at the geopolitical, you know, socioeconomic level that, that you and I are participating in and we are the driving agents of. We've created that beast. What we, I, I don't care about the U.S. Postal Service as far, anymore as far as something is saved because all I can tell is they send me tons of junk mail. And so... That that's not a good use of, of you know commerce anymore. It's not a good use of our our trees and everything else. We need to eliminate uh, direct consumer print advertising. That's stupid. That's uh, killing the planet itself. So I don't care if the U.S. Postal Service goes out. My point, and I don't care if Jeff Bezos owns it in some way. My point being, we have participated in an economy that has risen to that kind of scale that government organizations are selling themselves back to to the few personalities that are controlling all of commerce on the planet now. I think 40% of Christmas spending was done through Amazon this past year. So it's an obscene amount of trillions of dollars of commerce being poured through the hands of a very few people. We need to take that back and you can do that most easily by starting with food. And once you start growing a garden, you realize, why am I buying all this packaged food? Like I, I should drop by the farmer's market more. I love fresh tomatoes and I love fresh squash in the summertime. And you do that. And so it changes your behavior on that level. And it also, you know, we need to start looking away from grocery stores and back towards farms. Uh, I'm very delighted by the silver lining that's happened to our farmers that we've been working with who have developed their own direct market brands and mechanisms for getting products into consumer hands. They grew by 300 to 1200% in four weeks in the month of March this year as the pandemic set in and supply chains became vulnerable and people didn't want to go to grocery stores or couldn't go to grocery stores or grocery stores were sold out of stuff, suddenly they had to go to the farmer. And so uh, the, our farmers who were in that, that business sector and broken into a consumer marketplace accelerated their business plans by eight to 10 years in four weeks. And so it's just like really thrilling that the solutions are so close to home. The solutions for creating, creating new economy 
are in reconnecting yourself to humans rather than than you know consumer product convenience uh, mechanisms. And so get back out into your community when this pandemic is done. Make sure you respond opposite of what we've been told to do, and go and hug as many people as you can find. Go and wrap your arms around trees go go breathe the microbiome back into your body to consolidate the intelligence of nature within you and make different decisions in regards to your food to your consumer products to the stuff you think you need in the home and keep buying and the things the priority lists need to change radically to participate in this evolution rather than revolution kind of mindset of where we need to go as a species and as a co-creator within nature yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We, we've done, so we started a garden during the pandemic. We have four families that live in our neighborhood that are all really close friends. And we've all completely quarantined and isolated. And we agreed we would do that for two weeks. And then we would be able to hang out with each other because we would get past the point of, right, you know, the, the two-week incubation period, right? So we've actually been hugging and hanging out and, and we just, we don't go anywhere, you know? So we're totally, we're, we're self-isolated and all of us have started gardens too, which is really cool. So I'd like to, uh, if we can, I'd like to talk about the microbiome. What is it? Why should we care? And then I'd like us to, you know, kind of maybe wrap up with some action steps uh, in terms of you, you've touched on a lot of them, you know, changing buying behavior, growing your own garden. Um, I heard, you know, I listened to your uh, interview on the Rich Roll podcast talking about just simple things that, that we can do as such as getting out in nature every day. Um, so I'd like to wrap up with maybe some actionable, you know, uh, a handful of, uh, hey, right away when you turn this podcast off, you know, do this, do this, do this, right? Put these things in your schedule. Before we get to that, I would love to hear, because this is your expertise and you've talked a lot about it throughout the podcast, but yeah, w- what is the microbiome? And, and, and again, how does it impact us and what can we do? And I'll just insert in there. I, I read your blog post about probiotics being, you know, ineffective, like that, that's not the right way to go about it. So if you could tie all that in, what's the microbiome, how does it impact us and what do we do to optimize it? If not probiotics. Excellent. Microbiome is a description of the microorganisms that create the ecosystem of, of, nutrient delivery, fuel production, and communication on the planet. So uh, the microbiome was the beginning of multicellular you know, communication, allowing for something like an earthworm or a human to emerge, uh, came out of the uh, advancement of genetic intelligence and genomic swapping capacity. Genetics are swapped across species uh, for adaptation purposes. You know, Mother Nature is always trying to do more biodiversity every second. And she does that through the transfer of genomic information uh, across species constantly. And we do this in the form of uh, something called horizontal gene transfer, where a cell can abut a, a nearby cell and passage directly genetic information into it, or it can do it through what's called exosomes, which is just like a simple envelope to go across you know, a, a short distance of maybe an organ system or maybe within the body, or maybe even within you know, human beings or other uh, animals that are in touch with you relatively directly. And then if you need to go further distances, then you use the viruses. And so we use direct gene transfer exosomes and viruses to do genomic updates, genomic adaptation. And so that's ultimately what the microbiome has built is life on earth. It's built every single tree, every single plant, every single you know animal flora, fauna that you can think of has been developed by the cooperative, you know, swapping of genomic information and advancement of intelligence within that architecture of biology 
uh, over time. And as I said, with each extinction, we see an explosion of new diversity and all of the rest because during an extinction event, as systems break down, the messages of adaptation go exponential. And meaning that as the level of stress in an organism, it sends out more and more different variations of its own biology in the form of viruses and exosomes and the like to create some sort of avenue for, you know, solutioning around the, the adversity that's happening on the planet to cause the great extinction event. So that once there's a stabilization there, there's so much genomic information on the planet with so much new variation due to the stress we've created. And so that's where we are today. That's why we have pandemics. That's why we have everything else is we're putting such stress on the organism of planet Earth. It's creating solutions rapidly. It's putting out more and more genomic information. This isn't something to be demonized and feared. It's something to be embraced because it is the answer to life. And so as we start to think about the microbiome, we need to consider it as the most intelligent of creative forces on the planet. And we need to align our, our medical uh, experience with that. We need to rethink our vaccine approach. We don't need to outlaw vaccines. We need to rethink vaccines. We need to think about what does a human immune system look like that we now realize is supposed to be in relationship and in fact is the result of the relationship with microorganisms instead of just fighting and killing them. Um, and so we need to make that transformation and, and embrace the microbiome as part of the solution rather than the enemy. The microbiome ultimately functions uh, as the you know, mechanism action within healthy soils of uh, an agricultural system or your backyard garden, and in the exact same way functions as the organic soil within your gut to nutrify a root system of intestinal lining that's sucking nutrients, water, and, and electrical energy out of the food that you're consuming to deliver that into the body through a healthy soil system. So the microbiome is the mechanisms of life. It is the builder of life. It is the feeder of life. And so that's the journey that we have. So then we step in with the probiotic industry a couple of decades mm -hmm. back to say, hey, there's good bacteria. That was helpful at the time because, we you know, at that time we thought that all bacteria were bad. So that was a necessary, you know, baby step into the reality of the microbiome is good for us. It fell drastically short of creating a healthy microbiome, right? So your typical probiotics is three species or seven species, couple on the market now, 25 species or 100 species. But I don't care if it's three species or 100 species, that pales in comparison to 30,000 species of bacteria, 5 million species of fungi, 300,000 species of parasites, all in communication through a viral network of genomic adaptation that's supposed to be your soil. And so as you start to take a probiotic, you've missed the point of biodiversity, you've missed the point of the genius of, of an intelligent, diverse nature. And unfortunately, you do damage. And so in 2018, great studies came out in the journal Cell. Uh, you can look these up by Googling Cell Science Journal. So Cell, C-E-L-L, Science Journal, Probiotic, September 2018. Write that down and search that, and you're going to find two articles, one done in mice, one done in humans, showing that after two weeks of, of antibiotic usage, there's an 80% collapse in the microbiome. Uh, and then uh, the uh, addition of a probiotic actually freezes the recovery of that and will suppress the microbiome at the same potency that the antibiotic did. For 45 days, that study ran in mice with absolutely no recovery of the microbiome. It ran for six months in humans. And while there was slow recovery of the microbiome in the human study, that even at six months, they had not recovered back to baseline uh, levels of microbial diversity in the probiotic arm. Interestingly, in the placebo arm, both the mice and the humans were completely back to normal at 30 days. And so we now know that there's a $47 billion healthcare, you know, supplement industry that needs to be replaced by nothing.
And so how do we start to instead participate in the more, you know, diverse concept of microbiome cooperation? And so that's what our company has been working on for years. So this part is, you know, as conflicted by my own, you know, efforts here uh, with my company, but uh, the science is, is not conflicted. Um, you know, we have a product that's come out of fossil soils. Uh, we went back in time to predate the previous extinction event, which was caused by a death at the topsoil by an asteroid. And so peeking back in time beyond that last extinction event, we find that there was a topsoil health and diversity that hasn't existed since. Uh, the depth of the topsoils were extraordinary. The nutrients grew ferns that were larger than houses. I mean, there was just this verdant planet uh, that was exploding with nutrient density. And we, we haven't quite recovered to that you know, pre-extinction rate after 55 million years. And so we are pulling at uh, the network of communication. We discovered a carbon matrix of communication in 2013, the way in which carbon uh, is used to traffic information between bacteria, fungi in, in the soils of your garden or your gut are very beautiful. It's done through something called redox signaling. It's a wireless communication network between the species. And so we've been putting into action that wireless communication network in the form of you know, liquid supplements that you can use in your sinuses or s swallow orally. And uh, as soon as you introduce these into cell systems, you see a cooperative regenerative experience occur under the microscope or in human clinical trial. We see repair happen at extreme rates of the gut lining that's leaking from the ubiquitous roundup in our environment that's killing us and all the rest. We can see nature heal all of those grave mistakes we've made as a, as a technologic species. Uh, Mother Nature's got solutions to it. And the solution is in communication, not through micromanaging a diverse microbiome through probiotics. Um, so we've been really overjoyed to see the impact of cell-cell communication, as particularly microbial cell-cell communication, happen in human health cell systems to repair human gut linings, vascular linings, blood-brain barrier, kidney tubules, and beyond. So it's just been a real journey into understanding uh, nature's genius, and it's humbling, again, to find out that human health is not the right result of human cells, it's actually the result of a diverse microecosystem taking care of that limited participation of the human cell to induce something that we would call human health, human intelligence, human consciousness, all of that stemming from this extraordinary cooperative behavior of a microbiome within us. So that's been our journey. Product line is Ion Biome. Yeah, it used to be called Restore and is still available in some places as Restore on grocery store shelves. Uh, but Restore and Ion Biome have become kind of our you know, marching orders for the planet, which is not to buy supplements, but instead to return our soils to a point uh, where the soils can once again produce this without the need for supplementation. And so I really believe we could, through our regenerative farming, create that verdant soils that haven't existed in 55 million years. I think we could participate in the recovery of that level of biologic intelligence on the planet. And so all of our uh, resources and, and profits from those companies and our supplement industry are pouring back into root cause solutions for the planet, everything from cleaning up plastics uh, by conversion to biodiesel all the way to um, our nonprofit that's teaching farmers how to transition from chemical farming into regen. And that's the farmer's footprint that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And uh, the non-toxic neighborhoods project that we've launched uh, at scale with Kim Conti out of California. She's been a phenomenal leader in, in this space on how to help counties and cities ban Roundup from soccer fields, parks, and city systems. So it's uh, real exciting to see the science inspiring you know, consumer change in behavior around gut health and that then going on to impact community health and farm health and, and farm 
futures as we start to, to imagine uh, a regenerative planet, regenerative food system, elimination of a multi-trillion dollar healthcare system through healthful living of, of our peoples again. So that's that's kind of the, the journey we've had and it's been a joy and a, a real honor to be a part of it. Well, and I, I can endorse, you know, your product. I took it this morning and for lunch, before lunch, right? I take it before every meal. And I took it when it was when it was called Restore. So my cancer journey, I had extreme amounts of over 700 hours of chemotherapy. I was on IV antibiotics because, you know, when you're on chemo, you have no immune system to fight anything. So they have to prop it up with antibiotics. And and so, yeah, so when I looked into how do I restore my gut bacteria, my, my microbiome that's just been destroyed through these pharmaceuticals, um, I came across Restore and it came highly recommended. It was highly rated as well. And uh, and then now I know it's Ion Biome. And if anybody's you know interested in this, I highly, highly recommend it. I think for everybody, I just think it's a almost, you know, whether you've taken pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, and you've got to restore your gut health from that, or you've just simply been eating the food that, you know, is, is being grown in soil that's not not as nutrient-rich as, as it once was. Um, go to Ion, unless you have another website, but ionbiome.com. Is that right? That's right. So I-O-N-B-I-O-M-E.com, ionbiome.com. And again, I've been taking this um, on and off for three years now. So uh, yeah, so I, I thank you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, I mentioned when I was introducing you in the beginning, Zach, that, you know, the topics that you talk about and you talk about them because you live them, right? You're not just a talking head. Like you're, you've got the the farmer's footprint, uh, the nonprofit, the documentary, you've got the non-toxic neighborhoods project, you've got Ion Health, you've got the M Clinic, which man, I wish, you know, uh, all, uh, all things knowing what I know now, I wish uh, I would, anybody who you know, is diagnosed with any sort of chronic illness or even acute illness, just knowing the way that you approach uh, healing. I, and I would have gone to you guys probably first. And then, uh, and then of course, and I also have the petition for healthy childhood immunity and vaccination that I saw on your website as well. The best place to get in touch with you, I'm assuming is uh, ZachBushMD.com. Is that right? Yep, that's going to be the educational site. And so you're going to be able to find, you know, topics ranging from, you know, health during pregnancy all the way to major depression and other things. So lots of information there for you to dive into. Uh, there's a petition for you to sign around, uh, you know, reformulating our understanding of child health, uh, healthy child immunity and vaccination there that you can sign uh, for us to really uh, show our legislators that there's a need for, for really restructuring our understanding of our relationship to the microbiome uh, for our children and their immune systems and the rest. And so be, feel free to dive in there. Uh, lots of other resources on the site as well as far as you know, insights into uh, the projects we're doing around the world and all of that. So we'd love for you to engage either through that or the nonprofit website, which is farmersfootprint.us. And yeah, on your site, uh, as I mentioned, I've done more uh, research and prep for our, our conversation because I was just diving in. I just was personally like, oh, this applies to me. Oh, this applies to me. Oh, this is very interesting. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was just, just awesome. diving in. Yeah, man. So uh, thank you for the work that you do. I really appreciate you leading a lot of these charges uh, that uh, are, are making an impact for the rest of us. Like we're all, you're, you're working, you know, you're on the, on the front lines, if you will. And, uh, and we're all benefiting by the work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Awesome. So grateful for all, all of you as an audience and really look to all of you to be part of this massive solution that, that is uh, you know, presenting itself as a huge opportunity to us. So thank you, Hal, for your leadership and, and the voice that you carry out into the world. And, 
uh, your personal journey of recovery and and health uh, beyond health going into a real thrive state in your own life so thank you for miracle mornings and the vision for helping everybody tap into their full potential through that that's that simple mechanism you're welcome brother i appreciate that it's been a pleasure and everybody listening Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation uh, even half as much as I did because that would be a ton. You check out Zach's website, Zach Bush. That is Z-A-C-H-B-U-S-H, ZachBushMD.com. If you're like me, you'll spend hours there <laughs> because there's, uh, there's really a lot to unpack. So Goal Achievers, I love you. I appreciate you. I will look forward to talking to y'all next week. Take care, everybody. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know about you guys and gals, but uh, that interview, that conversation I just had with Zach, I think I have to go back and listen to it at least another one, two, maybe three times. Uh, Zach is quite brilliant. And I love the work that he's doing, as I mentioned multiple times in the interview. The one thing that he has impacted my life with that I want to share with you is the product that he created called Restore. And the funny part is I didn't know that he created that product until a few days ago when I was researching and preparing for today's interview. And, and then I went, wait a minute, it was just such a wild thing because that product is what I use to restore my gut bacteria, my microbiome after doing three years of chemo and dozens and dozens of hours of IV antibiotics and all sorts of pharmaceutical stuff that kind of messed up my gut. And the uh, the product was called Restored. It's now Ion Gut Health. Zach has renamed it. And Ion Gut Health is a gut strengthening, brain boosting mineral supplement that they've sourced from 60 million year old soil that naturally supports microbiome balance. And Zach offered a discount for any listeners of the Achieve Your Goals podcast if you want to try the product. And I've taken this for years. I'm on a recurring subscription where I get this every two weeks. So I wouldn't promote anything that I didn't you know, absolutely believe in. So go to ionbiome.com. That's I-O-N-B-I-O-M-E ionbiome.com. And then if you enter the code, the product's called Gut Health. I don't know if he has other products on there. I think you might, but that's that's the one I've used. And it's made a huge difference for me. And it, actually, it's really funny. One of my closest friends, John Rulin, texts me. This is actually what's prompted me to reach out to Zach and ask if there was any kind of discount I could get you guys. John Rulin texts me yesterday. After talking to many people about various products, I came to the conclusion that Ion Biome would be the best for now. Um, have you guys heard of this? I've heard from so many people, including one of my most intelligent friends who's taking this, and he says this product saved his life. And I said, wow, that's, yeah, I, I take that product every day. So anyway, uh, go to ionbiome.com and then use the coupon code to get 15% off your entire order. And that is HAL E, the number one SS. So H A L E, as in Elrod the number one, and then the letters SS, enter that code to get the discount at checkout. He did make it clear that it can't be used in combination with subscription discounts. So if you subscribe, which I do, you get 20% off anyway. But if you just want to try it out, which is how I started initially a few years ago, then you can just use that code and get 15% off your entire order. That's at ionbiome.com.
www.ethereumcoin.com. And if you did not understand me spell out that code for some reason, I'll put it in the email and in the show notes as well. So Goal Achievers, I love you. appreciate you. And I will talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 